Holy shit. This is take four of this podcast intro. Um, <laughs> so takes one and two I scrapped um, because I started to like try to say something about the World Series and I just don't realize I don't have anything interesting to say. So that was probably the right call. And then I just listened to the third one and um, I don't know, like I sometimes I, th- I just hate the way I come across when I'm trying to like build somebody up because I feel like I'm trying to um, like like even though I'm trying to describe why I why I like somebody and their work, it, I think sometimes I just sound like an asshole. I don't know. Um, this episode I am very excited about and I think you're going to really enjoy it. So this is with Will Ingram. Uh, of the band Wayuka. Um was formed in Athens, I believe, uh, but currently kind of based between Atlanta and Athens and also has some other artistic work that he does on the side. So quick plugs before I uh, give a little bit of backstory and kind of what to expect for the episode. Wayuka, uh just released an album called Burning Platform uh, that you can listen to absolutely, I would assume everywhere, definitely on Spotify, but you know, if it's on iTunes like and you like it, buy it there. Puts more money in their pocket. Uh, new album is fan-fucking-tastic. They are playing a show at 529 in East Atlanta this Saturday night, October 30th. That's where I saw them, last time I saw them, um, and it was a fucking blast. It's a great venue. Uh, they put on a really like killer live show. Um, it was, again, it was a really great time. And it, you know, if you want to find a new favorite local band, give it a shot. And then Will, I'll put all this in the show notes. But uh, Will's personal Instagram is called Land of the Freak. He does a lot of like really f- fucking cool psychedelic drawings. He makes tattoos. Uh, apparently, does like some clothing. Like he's far more talented than this bozo sitting here recording a five minute podcast intro for the fifth time fourth time see i can't even count um i know will through the shrew um i'm assuming from his time in athens and we had him on ufb a few times because he also happens to be a craigslist connoisseur um he knows despite spending years in that hellhole um he knows far more than i do about the culture as we call it uh but through that i've gotten introduced to his band and um it's been really fun to keep up with them and keep up with him and watch them grow and we got to talk um we got to get in a little bit deep on a few topics about like um kind of some of his theory behind um not only creating music in studio but also live and kind of the differences and um we got to dive into about like as a growing band like what that means in the streaming era like how you kind of play those games uh went down a lot of cool avenues i had a great time talking to him and i think you'll really enjoy the episode uh, so I'll quit rambling, and I think this is good enough. So without any further ado, 
Enjoy the episode, uh, followed by a track from their new album. Cheers. Jowls have been kind of pinched. I mean, if you if you um, sell as many albums as American Idiot sold, then like you know you can do whatever you want to your jowls. Like you probably got lots of extra disposable income for jowl surgery. Yeah, it's not very punk rock, I guess, to fuck with your jowls. <laughs> but no, I think like uh, you know, dying at like fifty, drinking like a bottle of Jack every day is more punk rock than having work done on your face yeah i think well we deal with a lot of like old heads every now and then it's be like the people that work at the record store or some of them still book clubs around atlanta and uh yeah i think the most punk thing you can do is just like grow up to hate everything and never get excited about anything and like (laughs) condemn all bands and music and something to aspire to you know yeah yeah i can't wait it's gonna be awesome like every time i find myself like I, so having just turned 30 i just have this battle about you know there's this dad energy mm-hmm. where you just get too genuinely excited about things yeah and then there's a part of you that in that's like you're being kind of a bitch right now this isn't cool <laughs> but then you want to be excited about things whereas like i think those people just their that inner voice just they never they followed that that path so so there's a fork in the road you're saying to like be cool or to be happy essentially like, <laughs> yeah. like you can be a dork and be like it's enjoying life 100 percent. i agree i agree completely um and and to the dad thing the dad vibe i you know i had a pregnancy scare kind of recently and um, this is like this is supposed to be like minute 30 of the interview when you get into like the deep person <laughs> all right just and um yeah like when i wasn't sure and i you know i like hang up the phone i'm like oh my god like this is crazy you know and i I instinctively went outside and uh i took the grate off of my grill (laughs) started kind of playing some alan jackson on my on my my friend's like bluetooth speaker out on the porch and just really started cleaning that grill yeah there you go I, i got in there good 
That's a good sign for you, though, as an eventual, like, if you're going to start a family, you know that it's that you got a seed planted. Like, you just got right. Jimmy Buffett ready to go. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if being a dad just comes down to how clean you can keep your grill and, like, you can actually avoid your family by spending so much time keeping that grill in ship shape, I'm going to be great at it. I mean, it's... You know, I, Anyway, the it was just a scare. Everything was fine. I was like, now that grill's dirty as fuck. It is right now. Yeah, I actually grilled right before coming over here. I grill like a couple times a day, and uh, respect something caught on charcoal fire or it. gas. I'm a I'm a propane dude. You know, charcoal it, takes too long. Yeah, I, I love setting up the chimney, but sometimes you want to taste the meat, not the heat. You know. Yeah, exactly. Just um, flip it on. I wanted to uh, I wanted to kick this off with a, a question that I've been dying to ask you for weeks now, and I was saving it for this conversation. <laughs> All right. Uh, who do you think gave me COVID at your show? Oh, oh, um, okay. <laughs> I think it might have been, I, I don't know, a guy DM'd me. It was like, hey, I, I got COVID at your show. Oh, so somebody else told you about it? Yeah, someone that was there and, you know, has, has been supporting us for a few years. And um, I was like, "Did you, do you think you got it from someone at the show or you think you got it before the show? And then he was like, I think he blamed it on his uh, roommate's girlfriend. And I was like, okay, maybe we're good. It was weird. Ha- sorry about the COVID. It's all right. It was, it was a good show. It was worth it. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Uh, and actually, I mean, I... I mean, I, nothing happened, so I would say it was worth it. I mean, it, we just like you know didn't work for a little bit, but uh, damn, it was like oh, we're both vaccinated, so it was kind of just like shitty for a couple of days. But uh, it was fun, like the, all the people we we're with got COVID. Um, I'm Wait. not, I'm not trying to frame this as like got you motherfucker was that, <laughs> was that the that was the august show right yeah so that was that was a fun fucking show it was fun it was it was kind of early enough that like we probably should have known better but we kind of had this like everyone's vaccinated right that's so how we've been be living okay. our lives turns out like the vaccine doesn't i guess work because you still get it i, I don't know vaccines like um i'm not trying to anti-vax again this early no it's like in the cast it's like wearing like elbow pads and knee pads if you're going rollerblading or something right yeah um, i don't mean to say it's pointless to get it no but, but we just, thought it was going to be you know more protective than it is i guess i mean at that point we were not even our state of mind was we can do whatever we want we're mm-hmm. vaccinated we're invincible yeah but to be fair i do know people who got sick around that time who weren't vaccinated and like you know they they had a pretty rough go of things so yeah, I'm. I'm honestly really shocked that I, I've never gotten it. I mean, I mean, I I did get the vaccine, but I haven't. I don't know. I was living in like company housing in Louisiana for eight months with, at some point, nine or ten or eleven dudes, like coming in and out and going seeing like four or five houses of different families all day every day. And this was pre-vaccine for a lot of it, and. Yeah, I mean, people in Louisiana were not taking any precaution. So. Then, yeah, I mean, if you're living that close to gators, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's you got bigger fish to fry. There's going to be, you know, like if you got a good job, you still might saw your hands off <laughs> at the plant or something, you know. <laughs> so like a vaccine, you know, there's a big like fuck everything, like I don't care about anything kind of approach down there because. 
Yeah, your house could blow away tomorrow. Yeah. I mean, it's a pretty punk rock place, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess, in a way. <laughs> so the new, um, uh, this is going to come out, like, I think Monday. I'm going to try to do it this weekend. So, like, the the new album's already out, I saw, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it just came out a couple weeks ago. How you feeling? Feeling great, actually. Um, it's been our first full length since 2017, but since then we've put out, like, an EP and maybe 13 singles, maybe more than that. We've been staying really busy, but um, yeah, like I I think after, so when our second album came out in 2017, I was living in a house with like six or seven other musicians in Athens. And we were all so certain when we signed that lease, like, yeah, I love you guys, but you know, I'm going to be famous before, you know, I'm probably not even going to be here for the last five months because it was, it was really, I go take that meeting. I mean, just give someone else my room. I'm not coming back. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, no one's album even came out. Like every, everybody was dealing with all this shit. And, um, so I was pretty bummed out when that record came out and nothing happened for us really. And like, didn't really understand how press and the industry work. I thought you could kind of like, you know, I was working at a factory. I was, I threw every cent I had at like promo but it, it was kind of untargeted and it was just like someone else knows how to do this better than I do. And, uh, they didn't, and it, you know, it didn't do anything for us. It still felt good, but uh, it was a huge disappointment at the time. Cause I was just so like naive and you know, this time around it's like, I've realized we can kind of do everything ourselves and, uh, just, you gotta be happy about like, it's just sick that, you know, like we sold a, cd to someone in uh switzerland like an hour ago i saw it on my phone like uh, before i was heading over I here i thought you were gonna say you did it on like the world tour like you got <laughs> there and like only one person in switzerland bought a, bought a cd yeah. like wait did you get one of those shirts yeah i actually okay. realized like uh today without thinking that i was i almost put it on i was like i'm not gonna fucking wear the t-shirt <laughs> i guess people don't know but it'd be still be like I'm ready for the interview, you know? But, yeah, no, I appreciate that. I like your Halloween shirt, though. That's that's pretty sweet. Thanks. I'm going next week. I'm trying to get pumped. Oh, rad. I haven't, up? I haven't done uh, anything like that I mean, in like mm-hmm. two years. It used to be my jam. Do you wear a Halloween costume to Halloween? We usually do, yeah. Uh, we are this year. I think our group costumes were going to be uh, mummies. It's going to be fun. Great, yeah. Um, you know, can't, can't fuck with mummies. True. Um, are you going to do like a toilet paper wrapping or you use some kind of tape or it's like, I think it's kind of a mixture of like a onesie sort of thing and then kind of accented with some right tape or something. That's good. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. I'm still trying to come up with a good costume. I'm not good at costumes. Yeah. Like I just don't, I can't, I, I'm very impressed when somebody has like the wherewithal to go all out on a homemade costume. And at some mm-hmm. point I just don't, I lose steam. Like I have an idea and I'm just like, I'm not going to go find all this random shit. Right. Yeah. It usually comes down to the wire. Uh, I, I was really into doing like super intense costumes in high school. Like, um, I think one year during all, all the like Occupy protests and stuff, there was a veteran that got shot in the head in, um, Occupy Oakland. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a rubber bullet, but it like really messed him up. I think I and, remember that guy. Yeah, so I I went I was wearing like an army jacket and like a A's hat and just like blood all over my face and I was just like, yeah, is that how you treat veterans, America? 
And then, yeah, yeah, I did another one that was like, your teachers were like, it's really, it's a really cool costume. <laughs> yeah. No, no one was stoked about it. I, the other, another one that comes to mind was the, like, oh, it was a boy scout. I was wearing like little kids, cub scout stuff. So it was like really tight on me. And, uh, at the time, I don't know if it still is the case, probably not, but like, you know, openly gay people couldn't be in the boy scouts. So all of my merit badges were like bigotry, homophobia. (laughs) (laughs) And like that was, but you know, like all my stuff is so small, like it looked pretty kind of erotic on me, I guess in a popular costume that year. Well, there were some, I went to a party and there were some, uh, Girl Scouts, people in Girl Scout costumes at the party. So at least that was kind of like, all right, I got a whole thing. I got like an accidental group. There you go. They would never on purpose. I mean, form I think a group with me. <laughs> hey, <laughs> here we are. You're here. <laughs> I mean, I think like a perfect costume is kind of like you think it's awesome. Most people don't get it, and then like a few people are like, like two or three people are like, fucking love that costume. Mm-hmm. Like one year at Halloween, I went as I was like I just had to I had in my head I had to do this. I was the Swedish chef from the Muppets. Nice. Went pretty all out on it. Had like the apron and like wooden spoons and the mustache and everything. And like fucking people came up to me the whole time. I was like, "What the fuck are you?" Nobody got it. And then the following year, I went and I saw a guy who was the Swedish chef, and I just just like, "Brother, I know what you are, man." He was very happy. I don't. Now that I'm thinking about it, so is Sweden known for their culinary arts because I, why are sweet like because French. he like he talks weird and says like bork bork a lot mm-hmm. and i think that i don't know i think uh the muppets were just allowed to make fun of scandinavian people i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're gonna be the next one when, when we're no longer allowed to make fun of italians yeah. now nah. you know i guess we can move on to scandinavia that's fine i mean they got it coming you know yeah yeah for sure uh so you mentioned with the album, like you guys have been uh, like producing a lot more. Like, what's what's been different with the band for that? Like, is it like the change of location, or is it just like y'all kind of honing in? Like, what's it's it's a lot of things, I guess. I mean, we I get we we just like to make a lot of different types of music. I, y'all and, y'all do like experiment all over the place. Yeah, we and that's kind of our shtick, I guess accidentally um, i think it's cool i think you know i feel like shtick is like i think it's better than a shtick okay it's a shtick prime there you premium go. and uh yeah it's basically like you know we, we like heavy stuff we like twangy stuff we like rap and all that stuff you know so uh if a lot of times something you want to make isn't going to fit into the album it's like we've done some straight up like rap collaborations and we love listening to that type of thing. It's a good challenge to work on it, but you know, it's not going to fit in with, you know, all these collections of pop songs or, or heavier rock songs. So, uh, you just kind of throw it out there see if anything happens. What's that like? Uh, is that process weird when you like start to have like 10, 15, 20 songs or whatever? And you're like, all right, how do we, arrange these what's who's the odd man out like how does Mm -hmm. this flow like does like how how much goes into that aspect of it i don't know i guess it's kind of intuitive yeah like i don't see anything wrong with just releasing songs by themselves and letting them go especially now 
Yeah, it's they're hard to it's hard to monetize. Like you can't really sell like a CD with one song on it or something. Especially not in Finland. No, yeah, but uh, but it is really good like promotional opportunity. You can almost get as much gas out of one single as a full album in terms of you know different ways to promote it. Especially if it's like it's getting into the weeds a little bit. But if you got a feature on it or like if it's targeted towards a specific sound, then you can really hit like you know every Spotify playlist that has that type of genre hit up those people and see if they'll add it little things like that. And how does um, that process work? I, I, that's such a curious thing to me. It's like the whole like kind of playlist thing. That's a, kind of arisen on Spotify. Cause it's so important mm-hmm. now. Yeah. It's really weird. The gatekeepers used to be publicists and writers, but right now the industry is completely like circumvented all of that with algorithms. So streaming platforms are king. And if you, you know, uh, if anyone listening to this makes music, what I started doing in like 2014, 2015 was basically just like anytime I have a song coming out and it works for us because we have like our album would be like a third punk songs, a third like electronic pop song, something like that. We, I would just like look up that genre on Spotify, find every playlist that has like 500 plus followers on it. Try to like search the name of the person that has that account on Facebook and match up their profile picture to their profile picture. Cause there's going to be a, a billion like Dan Johnson's. You're right. And no publicist is, is going to actually go through that. They no, can't. no, they don't do any of that. And <laughs> no, you one, know, they're not PI like, uh, PIs, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, um, yeah, that's pretty much, and now you can do it on Instagram or other ways, but yeah. it's, it's gotten weirder because now the people that run playlists understand that there's like a black market economy to it. So I mean, now certain PR people will only hit up like playlisters and their whole sites made for like, you know, you can buy credits and contact these people and is there's a difference between having a playlist that let's say is is like alternative country and everyone just starts following it because they like what you have on the playlist and it kind of blows up but you're just some person that's one thing and that's that used to be the norm but now it's like a lot of the people that are running playlists that are getting a lot of followers uh, kind of see themselves as like big people in the music industry. And I think they do kind of get off on a bunch of bands, 100%. like emailing them and being like, please, can you add our song? We're, <laughs> we're starving. And they're just like, Nope. I ha- I had a dude from France a couple days ago, send me this <laughs> message back. that was like, yeah, this sounds like stuff I used to listen to back in the eighties, but it's just worse. And I was like, thank you. You can just say no or just not respond. A simple wrong would have done just <laughs> yeah. fine. I like, yeah. What's funny is like, I feel like you see people kind of celebrating like, oh, all these like record company fat cats, like those, the yay, we got rid of them. But like, it just shows like somebody, like if that power vacuums there, like somebody else gets to be their own little micro record company fat cat. They're just like, I get to say who lives and who dies. Like, yeah, exactly. They're, they're legitimate kingmakers and it might be some like 17 year old in some other part of the world, like whoever just happened to make that playlist. But I don't know. I mean, it's, it's different because the fat cat executive was getting paid and these people don't make any fucking <laughs> money from, from lording over bands. So I don't really see the point, but I mean, uh, what's weird though, so you're going about it 
in the opposite way, in a good way to, I think what a lot of people do now, like there's for sure bands that currently exist that formed around how do we make it like they're, they write songs specifically for certain kinds of playlists, you know, definitely yeah. like you can, and there, I can't think of an example cause fuck those bands, but you, you know what I'm talking about? Like it, there, it's just, it's very like, this is like a coffee shop vibe. It's overproduced. Mm-hmm. There, it doesn't, there's like kind of nothing to it, but yeah, there's a lot of people doing in. like kind of neutered versions of Tame Impala style songs. Yeah, that's a that's, good example. That's a good one. In, that's a big one in like the indie world. One of the biggest ones that we've seen blow up over the last couple of years that's kind of on a downslide right now is the uh, like lo-fi beats to study to kind of thing where it's yeah. like instrumental, like little boom bap beats. And um, the thing is with those types of styles and something like a lot of shoegaze and uh, these little like niches that are generally like really washed out atmospheric, what you would call like background music. They, they might get a, on some playlist where you got a billion listeners and your band might blow up or your project, but they uh, like, it's very inactive listeners. Yeah. They call it passive listening, I guess, where they might listen to your song a billion times, but they don't, like check to see who you are and know your band name and come out to shows and stuff like that because it just kind of sounds the same as everybody else in that little niche. They weren't there in the first place to find any kind of music. They're there just to like put a soundtrack to their life. Yeah. And then like nothing wrong with that. That's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. But if that's all, if if you think that you're going to like kind of, uh, if that's the way that you're going to like, skate through and be successful like Mm -hmm. you're kind of skipping a few steps yeah i'm thinking about it right now trying to do the math in my head i think you need to make three thousand streams to make 10 cents on spotify maybe it's less but yeah so if you blow up on one of those playlists you might get like let's say best case scenario you get um five million streams off of kind of like winding up on one of these niche playlists, like you're still kind of coming out to, I don't know, you might make like a thousand bucks and that's, that's something for sure. But especially in the world of like stream money, since it's so small, like I'm not trying to sneeze at that, but certainly it's like you can make a thousand bucks by just going and playing a show. Yeah, exactly. And that's the other element too, is like, uh, that I wanted to ask about is with y'all, your um like live and this is the same with a lot of fucking bands but i feel like it's very noticeable with y'all that like the live uh energy and sound is like very different than the energy that's on the recording definitely yeah uh part of that is just because it's hard to capture yeah being really wild there's there's really no um i mean I'm, i'm sure there's some producer has a tactic but like if I'm jump, jumping off the drum kit and I like kind of clip my elbow on the cymbal and it hurts and I like miss the next note, but it's crazy when I'm like stumbling and like standing back up. Um, there's no way to really reproduce that sonically on an album. You just hear someone like miss a note and you're like, I oh, sucks at guitar, but <laughs> you know, um, but, but I mean, even not even just like the energy, but I feel like the, 
I guess the energy factors in it a lot, but I, the the arrangements for certain songs or like the texture to it seems like when it's on the album, it's like something if I was playlisting, it's like something that I would it's like would be like something I'd put on on a Sunday, like kind of hanging out, like very low, like kind of down tempo sort of thing. But mm-hmm. live it, it becomes like a high energy song. Definitely. If, if you can't tell that I can't articulate my feelings <laughs> about music very well. Like I try to write um, as an exercise, like I'll try to write about music that I like sometimes in a way that I think somebody would want to like pick it up and read it, think it was interesting. And it's like, I admire people that like on Pitchfork in a way that can come up with all these like grandiose ways to describe music. Cause I'm always just like, this is an energetic song. Yeah. You're going to want to start <laughs> calling albums uh, offerings, I yeah, think. I think is go. the first first place to start. But yeah, um, I think part of that is like I've I've seen a lot of shows that were like incredibly executed, really good songwriting, really good vocal performance, that type of thing. But it was so like low energy that I'm seeing all these people that paid to see this look at their phones and start talking to each other and kind of you know drowning out the performance and I don't have a problem with at one of my shows. If people want to like talk to their friends instead of listening, I think that's great. They're not going to make people put their phone in a bag. Like Dave Chappelle. (laughs) Nah, this is a performance. Not yet. It's, it's a party, you know, it's it's just supposed to be a fun, like social event for everybody, uh, us included. And, um, but uh, I think if you're, I think you're, missing a lot of potential there if people are just kind of like tuning out because they're bored even if they can appreciate it they're just like i don't know like i i've got all like ready to go out and and i got all excited for this and now i gotta like be quiet and listen to someone cry about like their their boyfriend or whatever and i don't know i kind of like to just get the whole room jumping around make the whole thing a party yeah and um try to have as, as few low energy moments as possible, but like you also got to bring it down sometimes so you can bring it back up. You can't be like maximum overdrive all the time. Some people do, but that's not our, that's not our thing. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. If if that's what you're kind of, uh, if that's what you want in a show, then it's out there. Yeah. We've started to get over the past couple of years, we've started to really enjoy like crowd work and kind of building that into songs and having these moments where like you get people to yell stuff at you or do part of the lyrics or whatever, which I used to think was really corny because like I used to play at open mics a lot growing up and people would be like, all right, coffee shop stuff. Yeah. 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 And then it'd be some like folk dude who's like, all right, now y'all do whoa and I'll do the (laughs) who and like, Hey, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was like right when Avett Brothers and Mumford and Sons were, were popping off and it was like everyone wanted to kind of have those moments and I hated it because it's like if you're in a crowd with five people and they're asking you to sing and you're like this is sort of like I'm on stage right now. Yeah. Come on, man. But uh but we started to build Play monkey, play. Yeah, exactly. It's like you're the one you know, this is your time. You handle it. Like, don't make me do the work. But to that effect, though, like, uh, I do have a lot of respect for comedians who are really good at crowd work. Who yeah. May, who make it act. Because, again, there's a difference between doing it and it's fun. And then somebody who's just like 
intentionally it, where it's just it just feels more even if a comedian who's really good at it is is doing rehearsed jokes if they can make it feel organic as opposed to somebody who's just like picking people out and kind of going at them and saying something that's like an obvious line and it's like not really earned mm-hmm. like there's a definite skill tree to it or like a progression yeah and i'm i'm really shocked when i go out and see live comedy and i see someone do a really good like riff off someone in the crowd and um that's really cool to see bands are not great at that but luckily i think the bar is extremely low for like i think i've said stuff on stage that was like barely funny and it's gotten a great laugh just because people are not expecting it i yeah i guess you know i mean i used to like when we first started, like my first year, I was like, well, Blink-182 gets up here and we'll talk for 30 minutes about like, you know, their ass and like, they're super famous. So maybe I do it. And I did like a few shows of that and I was like, this is terrible. It feels so weird. But, yeah. but I, yeah, I mean like with comedy, it's a totally different animal. I think when you tell a crowd like, Hey, I have a plan, like you got to do it that's a totally different thing than just kind of like fucking with somebody and having it all be in good fun or maybe not in all good fun. That's my favorite crowd work. Yeah. I mean, when you can, I, I also have a lot of respect for, uh, when people can, cause like a lot of times I think the goal for most comedy is kind of get people on your side, even if you're, or even say something that's very, uh, you know, immediately going to put people off to then kind of, come around the back and, and win them back to your side in some way they weren't expecting. Huh? Yeah. Uh, but I have a lot of respect for comedians who have, who don't give a fuck about having people on their side, mm-hmm. <laughs> like at barely at all. Uh, and I just say that because like as somebody who dabbles and definitely is an amateur, like I, it's so hard to sit in that discomfort of like having people just fucking dislike you so actively <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know? yeah i agree yeah i mean i've never done live comedy but i've seen a lot of live comedy go south and uh you know and like i kind of love it i mean in in a way it's you're cringing through it but it's also like i don't know maybe maybe it's like this sadistic thing that that lies in all of us on some very low level hopefully very low level where you're like you know, you want to watch the train wreck essentially. Uh, you see like how, how tightly the screws can be turned on everybody, especially open mics. Cause some people will like, uh, that's the other side is it's either very expert or really amateur mm-hmm. when you have the people who are going up with, they don't even like they're, they kind of think that they're going to go up there and do comedy. But what they actually do is like more akin to like, like a manifesto or, yeah, yeah. or something. And then like it starts going south and then people turn on them and then they get mad at people for turning on them. Mm-hmm. And you, in the crowd, you're kind of like, like this, this guy could fucking snap up here, you know? Like, yeah, maybe. I mean, that's, that's one of the weird things about uh, really not even just performance, but just like social, I don't know, social psychology maybe where, you kind of only have power if people agree to give you that power. A lot of times, like if some guy shows up at the party and everyone's like, Oh, Rick, you know, he's, he's the best. haha. And then if people don't want to treat him like that, that's kind of a decision. You know, it's different if it's like your boss or something, but, um, 
people can turn on you. And if you, if you really are coming to them and being like, why don't you love me? Uh, you know, I'm yelling at you, but like you really put yourself in a position of like now, now they get to make every call about how this performance goes, which is kind of how it is to begin with. But there's some kind of agreement in the middle ground of like, I'm going to try to give y'all a good, good set here and y'all are going to try to enjoy it. We're, we're all going to kind of work together to make this a fun overall experience. Yeah. A hundred percent. Part of it too is like, um, those people as well. Sometimes they're like, I think they're the funny person with their friends, Mm -hmm. but they don't, when they go up on stage, they, they didn't think through actually trying to craft anything into a joke. And I, I read one thing that was like, somebody talking about comedy they were saying like basic it's not saying that it's easier than you think it is but that it's if as long like people are literally waiting for you to tell them to laugh like so if you put things in the structure of a joke like it's like your brain is expecting like you're kind of priming people to that there's a joke coming whereas Mm -hmm. if you're just kind of talking in a way that your friends think is funny people that aren't your friends don't know when the fuck the joke is so you might have bounced over it already and you're waiting on a joke like five seconds or a laugh five seconds later and people are just confused yeah and then angry (laughs) yeah yeah that's really interesting actually i'm I'm sure i guess that that there's a rhythm to to it exactly and that applies to music too in a much more obvious way where it's like basically when the music stops that's (laughs) that's when you clap or whatever yeah yeah exactly but uh i don't know even on like the super local um especially like younger high school band level, a lot of that is not clear and people are trying to act out these tropes that they've seen in like live concert videos or whatever. Seen some really funny like windmills and shit. Yeah. One of my favorites was, uh, I was probably like 16. I was at this club that may or may not be around anymore called Swayze's up in Marietta. Yeah. Is that, I I hope it's around. I hope it's not. I've seen some weird shit. Uh, That's a good point. I hope it's around in my memories for a long time. I don't hope it's, I don't, I don't hope it's still open. Yeah. I I saw Shrew play there one time. No shit. Yeah. yeah, I forgot he was in a band. Yeah. He used to drum. Okay. I thought he would be like a screamer or something. Uh, he, I think he, that's what he wants deep down. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, like, yeah, I saw someone that it was like a pop punk, very much like a Bowling for Soup style band, uh, I think from Asheville or something. And they they literally brought a surfboard onto the stage to be like, yeah, we're extreme. And then, but also kind of chill. And then, <laughs> and, and like the guy did this, like, what's up, Marietta? And then holds the mic out to the crowd. And I swear to God, the crowd was me, which I was a child. And then this like old ass, like skinhead dude. And that was it. Just like, you know, the sound is just like echoing around the room. We're like, oh my God, I can't believe you just did this. That shit's rough. Like, so I'm assuming that this is always something I'm curious about too. uh, With y'all, when you get outside of like, you know, your like hometown venues, Mm -hmm. like have y'all have y'all played to like kind of emptier rooms or like open for somebody and no one's there? Like, Oh yeah, for sure. Of course. I mean like our first time, our first tour, which was I think 20, yeah, 2013, we were out in Austin and we played at this place called kick butt coffee, which apparently does a lot of comedy over there. But 
you know, that wasn't helping us on that particular day. <laughs> this was like a morning, like off South by set or whatever. And the only two people in the crowd were this couple, like having a very serious argument in like a, in a booth. Trying to salvage their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. It looked pretty dire and <laughs> we're just staring at them from the stage and they are like really getting into it. Like not paying attention to us at all. But then every time the music stopped, and like we were between songs, then they'd both look at the stage, like smile, clap, cheer, you know, two people. But like, I don't, it was so they would just remember, weird. Every few minutes they'd remember there was music. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And be like, well, at least somebody's happy. And then the song starts and they're like, yeah, by the way, your sister's not coming to stay with us. Yeah. <laughs> but to that effect, though, in those environments, like, because I, I, I kind of waffle on like, like I respect it when that band, even when there's like the people that are showing up aren't paying attention, they're still getting a drink. There's like the room's pretty empty, and sometimes those people will kind of bring it, which I respect. Mm-hmm. But I guess the difference is not doing like fucking. When I say oh, you say oh. Like, yeah, like crowd work, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's only so much you can demand <laughs> from certain audiences. Yeah, you gotta gotta read that, I guess. Yeah. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's the crowd is a is a fickle mistress, but you know you gotta you gotta wine them and dine them. I mean, when you when you bring like a recorder and stuff that people haven't personally seen since they were in like sixth grade, I oh, mean, yeah. I think when you're you're really pulling out surprises at that point, how do you not keep people's attention? Yeah, well, that's the that's a big difference between like live music and comedy is if I am like bombing, if I'm forgetting a lyric or whatever, my head's just not in it. Or if things are going really badly, like I can just go do stunts. Like I can throw my guitar on the <laughs> ground. I can like make some crazy ass noise with my guitar. It's that's like a, there's always like a, a net, I guess you can fall back into to kind of like make people look at the stage or, I don't know, inject some kind of energy into the moment. A big one, take that shirt off. You you hit a lull or maybe you just feel like that's a back pocket having a little bit of fun right there. Yeah. yeah. Take that shirt off, you're going to get some cheers. And uh I don't know. I think uh comedy is obviously like a very different thing. That's something I've always looked at and been like, "Damn, I wish I could do." I mean, everybody says like I wish I could do stand-up comedy. Do like just kill it. I mean, I wish I could do it well. Uh, <laughs> I do it. But there's like you have no lifeline. Like you really have to run, go up there and run like the entire room with with just like your mind. And you you can't you don't have all these like tools at your disposal. You can use like a glass of water as some kind of prop or whatever. Like people do weird shit with stools. But the, the other night I was there, there was I remember waiting in the back room and there was three people with props. And I was like, was this fucking carrot top night? I don't <laughs> yeah. know. No one told me. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? What kind of props? Uh, somebody had like, um, none of them were very good. One of them had like these like signs that were like, apparent. like it was, I think it was fake, but her whole bit was like, these are like blown up versions of like creepy, uh, like love, drawings that like my eighth grade boyfriend gave me and they were like very like detailed and like kind of over the top like he's like super buff and like (laughs) like, cradling her in his arms and stuff i mean it it was kind of that was the best of the three the other person was just like like she was you can tell within 10 seconds of somebody starting 
whether they're going to like run the light or just like make the room really uncomfortable or any Mm -hmm. of that shit. And she's backstage, like literally doing her makeup for like 50 minutes, like taking like pocket shots out of her purse. Damn. Like spraying perfume on like nonstop the entire time she's backstage for like over an hour. It was, it was a ritual. It was alarming. And then she goes out and her, she like goes on stage and rips more pocket shots and then does kind of like this manic, like, act out for like five minutes and she was like pulling things out of her purse and showing them it was i don't know man <laughs> like it, it gets weird yeah i don't know i have seen a couple open mic performances where somebody went up and i think everyone in the crowd was like oh this is gonna be terrible but then they somehow it was like i've seen a couple performers where like the jokes were fine but the character they were doing was so good and people couldn't figure out if it was real or not <laughs> that, yeah. that like people stay invested and like really mm-hmm. get on their side. Cause they're like, this personality should be something that I hate. It's like, like a, I don't know, like a crazy nerd or something who's like really uncomfortable with talking. And you're like, I should be hating this right now, but it, I'm, I love it. And yeah. I'm kind of, I'm kind of on this person's side. I want them to succeed. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's where I'm talking about. There's like all these invisible kind of fine lines. There's no like real right way of doing it. Sometimes you just crest that vibe in like a certain way. You might not even know why you did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those are some of the best moments. Uh, when it comes to like, how long have y'all been together? It's been nine years. Okay. And Uh, how do you, how do you know your bandmates? I don't know that. I think I've met them in passing, but not, uh, I haven't had a, any long conversations with him or anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, me and the drummer started playing together in sixth grade. Like we, I, I went to like a new school for middle school and uh, yeah, just found out a kid played drums and was into like classic rock or whatever. And so we've been pretty much nonstop performing together since then met um, our other guitar player, Jack, uh, when we first got to Athens we people knew we were trying to set up a band and uh they were like well this dude like shreds you should throw him in that went really well and then uh our bass player jack webster we've been through three bass players bass players just can't hang you know so you get a guitar player and make them play bass tough it's tough life as a bassist yeah it it really is you don't you don't get any glory but uh and i I would say you don't special calling you don't deserve glory you know (laughs) i mean you're you don't well, take the time to learn chords, you know, you t- two extra strings to get to a guitar. I mean, it's like, why does everybody have, sometimes you just want to go through life and just hold down the, the low end, you know, I don't. Well, yeah. I mean, I play bass in, in another band too, but, uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, we, we met him. He was in another band called big Morgan. That was like our rival band. Like we put out our, you guys ever have any like street fights or anything? Nah, we did done some internet fights. We, I mean, we were always pretty tight with each other. I, I mean, we've definitely done some like, you know, all in good fun, like scrapping or whatever, but pretty much like when we released our first album, I think in 2014, uh, maybe 2013, they, so we, we released it and they played our album release show at some shitty bar in Athens. And we went to like a party right before at some kid's apartment and like gave them CDs and they just started laughing at us. They were like, yeah, we heard the album. Like, you know, the, like your lyrics are super 
like bitch ass and you know they were like pretty nice but also some of the stuff really got to me and i was like i'll destroy this band one day and um and then you just kind of yeah they in a way you just kind of like absorbed part of them and you know now they're yeah that's exactly what happened yeah and uh so it was an act of vengeance that's why he's in the band but Mm -hmm. you know it, it functions it's like the um uh no that doesn't make sense Anyway, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I was on to something like a wisp of an idea of like a show I had seen at some point, and then it was just gone. But uh, it's it happens, man. It happens on stage. A lot. I mean, they took the time. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like we listen to your whole album back to front, and it sucks. And it's like, well, you, I mean, you, yeah. You, I mean, they you, weren't they weren't quite you, that harsh, but it's like you're you know like you're a lot more immature at that stage. First album, you're like. Oh my God, this is like, this is my soul. This is, this is everything that matters to me. And then you throw it out in the world. And then like, if you're normal, I think six months later, you're like, oh man, that was terrible. Yeah. <laughs> like you kind of move on. Like you don't have to hate it forever and like think about that very much. But uh, you know, especially like we could, we had no budget for recording. So we recorded everything ourselves. We didn't know how to record. We like had the shittiest equipment and mics. All our mics kept getting stolen. Did y'all and do this last one at a, like, did y'all rent studio space or did y'all do, yeah. do it yourselves again? This was the first thing we've done at a studio. Nice. Um, which I think it definitely makes a, a enormous difference. Drum sounds are really hard to get in just, like, someone's house. Yeah. And I've got a lot of funny, like, pictures and stuff from back in the day. There was, I've got, I used to have a video of our drummer, like, recording a part in our old bass player's kitchen. And, uh, you know, he's like ripping the drums, but the drum kit barely fits into this kitchen. I guess we thought we could get like a certain sound in there. And then pans rattling. Well, it was some <laughs> of that, but also like there's in the video, the roommate who like didn't play any music <laughs> is like trying to open the fridge up enough to get some milk, but like he can't quite open it all the way without it like knocking a cymbal or something. So he's just like trying to like snake his arm you know it's, it's just little things like that i guess i'll just go get milk from the gas station <laughs> yeah oh man this is so unrelated but i've been thinking about it a lot i was um uh, i was hanging out with my brother a few days ago and he you know like we ate a big plate of cookies together and some burritos we're like watching tv and then in, the, in that order uh no the opposite order okay. but then <laughs> yeah. but then he just like grabs a jar of peanut butter and a gallon of milk and just starts like kind of shoveling it all into his mouth and I was like damn like my man still eats like a high school like the the best football player at, in high school I mean shit I mean that's that's just pure like uh you know that's just fuel right there it really is I respect it that's that's how you keep muscle definition. Like, I don't know if he even works out, but he's- that's an odd combo. I do. I mean, I'm very guilty of like, I eat peanut butter out of the jar all the time. I'm, I'm not sick. Wait, are you crunchy or smooth? Uh, I'll alternate. I'm all over the place, man. You alternate? <laughs> not exactly. Where I'm like, last time I got crunchy, this time it's smooth. Wow. I mean, but- I, re- I respect that though, because I do feel like there's a cult of like, you're kind of in one or the other. I think so. I like being able to uh, hang out with, with both groups of people, you know? Mm-hmm. Get a more complete life experience that way. Yeah, you're a real diplomat. <laughs> yeah, that's what they say. But milk with peanut butter is an odd flavor combo. I, I don't know. I think they kind of go together. There's some kind of like creamy middle ground there. Yeah. That's anyway. It's just 
what, that's what I was thinking about with the milk. But yeah, I guess um, like things sound shady when you're like, I guess this is kind of nerdy, but like if you record on tape with like a shitty cassette, cassette tape thing, like all the nineties bands, for example, like the non mainstream ones, then like, it's kind of impossible to get like terrible heinous noises. Like the worst thing that can happen is it gets pretty distorted in a way that sounds vintage. But so we grew up like listening to those types of bands and being like, Oh yeah. Like if you're a real band, you just record your own shit and it's going to sound kind of bad, but kind of cool. Yeah. But when we were trying to do that on like garage band and stuff and like sound works totally different on there, you you can just get these like really flat, like completely, like terrible sounds. There's a difference between digital shitty and analog shitty. Big difference. Yeah. Enormous difference there. <laughs> um, where is like, like in comparison to like from everywhere from like the worst, like emptiest coffee shop mm-hmm. to like, uh, you know, like the most full room you've played. Like where is, where do y'all like to play the most? Um, I don't know. I guess we kind of have our clubs now at this point. We were obsessed with this place called Caledonia Lounge in Athens that closed down during COVID. So RIP, but yeah, it's, things are different now where like, I guess we know the talent buyers, we know people that own the clubs and we no longer are reaching out as much to be like, Hey, can we, can we do this? It's usually kind of the other way around. That helps. It's nice, so it, but it, it's you know I like playing Atlanta, I like playing Athens, kind of anywhere we play. In those two cities, we know we're gonna have like friends come out or a bunch of people that we don't know that are. I don't know. It's a good opportunity to bring out people that like might be loosely connected to you in some way and kind of like get that conversion, like make new friends. One thing I really love about playing shows is. Like it's an it's a fantastic way to meet people, and it's a fa- fantastic way to keep up with people that like yeah, hundred percent. You know, you're like someone you were great friends with growing up, but you you barely get to see them anymore. You give them a reason to get out of the house, um, mm-hmm. which, I mean, people yeah, people have a lot of reasons to get out of the house. Well, but, but I mean, what I, what I mean by that is like I've realized in the last like like since leaving college that. You know, at that time it was like, oh shit, like I know people, my friends are like kind of moving to other parts of the country, like that mm-hmm. stinks, but I've realized that I can have people that are, that live a mile from me and everyone's just so goddamn busy. It's not like in college where you'd be right. like, you just walk to your friend's house and knock on the door with like a 12 pack and be like, we're hanging out today. Like everyone's got yeah. like fucking schedules, you know? So mm-hmm. it helps to have like a again if you're playing a show and you're in from out of town and you got your your old buddy it's like it's easier for him to be like all right i got a thing and i'm gonna go see will and wayuka and go play than like than to maybe organically be like hey man do you just want to grab a beer i mean yeah you can still a, do that too but it's it's just like it feels like it's fewer and farther between yeah that's a really good point i i, I hope it's kind of a low pressure thing where like obviously like there are always people that you're tight with that are gonna hit you with the excuse text or whatever and it's like it's not like that i mean yeah. but but then again that it happens on the flip side because i try to go see bands as often as i can pretty much and like if i'm telling someone hey man i'm sorry i missed it it's because i really wanted to go 
Yeah. And, you know, it's not like a, like, are we still friends? Are we cool? Or whatever. I want you like, to know that I knew, that I knew about it, but I decided to do something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's a good point though. Cause like, even with any, like I'll have people who will ask me about like this or whatever and be like, dude, like I haven't like, you know, I haven't kept up with it, but like, how's it going? I'm like, Hey, like, it's cool that you asked, but like B, I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to hold it against you yeah. for not listening to my fucking voice an hour a week. You know, like it's, yeah. Uh, well, this this might be kind of a, a jump, but one thing, and yeah, I'm sure you're going to have some good insight on this. So, uh, so walk with me for a second here. Uh, I've found that, like for example, fans of Fish and also the Strokes are like diehard fans of of either band. Get pretty offended if you're like, "Hey, that band sucks," or mm-hmm. whereas if you're, I don't know, a lot of other bands, if you're like. I don't like that. People are like, yeah, that makes sense. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to have the same taste in music. hundred percent. Um, and I've definitely had people that I'm close with say stuff like, I hate your, your band. Like I, like I love you. I want you to do your thing, but like I, this is just so not what I'm into and it doesn't bug me at all. But I've, in fact, I, I kind of love having that conversation, but it's like, that's one thing I don't really get is people getting upset about like, Oh, you don't like, you don't like fish, dude. Like you just don't get it. And uh, you know, like how would you feel? Someone asked me, how would you feel if someone said they didn't like your favorite band? I was like, people tell me they don't like my band all the time. That French guy (laughs) to my face. Yeah. It it happens constantly. You guys are like the anti fish then. I mean, I'm not saying we have zero things in common with fish, but uh, I don't think any of us are on some Mike Gordon uh, I don't know. Didn't he have an incident with like a nine-year-old? Something like that. Man, that's just not great. I don't know enough about fish. Not a great look. Yeah. Okay, so you into more like the electronic side of jammy stuff? No, I do. I just like uh, I'm I'm fish adjacent. Like mm-hmm. I've seen fish. It's a fun time. But what's like, what's fish adjacent? Panic? Like Umphreys? What's the? Uh, I like Umphreys. Mm-hmm. I like Sound Tribe. Word. I like String Cheese. They're a party. You know, that's it's hard up. to like. That's one of those things that uh, is because I've heard other people do it. And then I think I've heard myself do it is like if you start to for a minute talk about loving a specific anything that like I love X jam band because X, Y and Z. Mm-hmm. Like it's just the lamest words that can fall out of a face. I suppose so. I mean, there, there's some it's, really funny like there are there's OK. I can't believe I'm saying this on record. But like. There's a difference between Papa Dozio and like Mo, for example. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, there's obviously so much middle ground too, especially like culturally, that um, you know, like really staking your claim and be like, I've I've met people that, that are is, that, that's a, that is funny when people are like, I love Humphreys, but fuck widespread panic. Yeah. And it's like I mean, they're <laughs> I mean that's from an, from an outside perspective, it's. Very similar. I mean, I understand that they sound way different to you, but the fact mm-hmm. that you're going to a show and they're playing 25 minute songs, like and people that are not in this culture are going to go, that's fucking stupid. I don't want to go to that. Definitely. I, I mean, there, there's a similar thing in like hardcore, for example, where like I've been listening to that stuff for, you know, since I was a kid, but I don't really expect anyone that's not like, really into heavy like doesn't really enjoy listening to heavy music to 
like necessarily notice or care about a difference between like a metalcore band and like a black metal band or something like I would have a hard time with that quiz. Yeah. And like, it doesn't matter. But so saying like these two bands hate each other or their fan bases hate each other, you know, might sound silly from an outside perspective, but I'd say the difference is, and I'm not in any way trying to say that like hardcore is better than jam music. I could give a shit, but like, there are ideological reasons for why these fan bases tend to hate each other. And there's little to no ideology in kind of the jam circuit other than like good vibes. Yeah. And, uh, (laughs) and I'm not saying having an ideology necessarily is a good thing. You know, like you can have bad ideologies and, but at least there's like a re at the people just want to tribe, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I guess at the at the base level, it's all kind of the same shit, whichever side of the the aisle you're on with that one. But definitely, have met um, a couple of fish like hardcore fish fans that are like, I don't even like other jam bands. Like, I kind of fuck with the Grateful Dead, but like, I really only listen to Fish and like Trey Anastasio solo or something. And I'm yeah. just like, all right. Ugh. Seems like there's a whole lot, there's a lot out else out there for you. If you would just kind of, yeah, you'd probably dig it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it reminds me of like, uh, like one of my favorite things to do when I was in Australia was like going, if I was in like the tiniest back country, like town and just like picking up the local newspaper and seeing what people were like pissed about, you know? <laughs> Cause like, to them, it's like the biggest deal. But from an outside perspective, it's like, you know, it's like watching uh, like two ant colonies go to war. Like it's just you don't even know. It's just, they're so inconsequential. But like it just it's their it's their issues. Wait, do they have a? Uh, is this like political stuff, or do they have like a like a next door style no, section like, to the newspaper? Um, well, it'd be like you know, like editorials about like you know this fucking ordinance is ruining our neighborhoods oh, yeah. or something or just kind of local, local or even, yeah, shit. just local politics. And it's, I don't know. It reminds you not like, it's just, I don't know. People, yeah. people need something. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's something that like I've, I've spent a lot of the last like decade of my life being like kind of pissed about all the time. And, uh, it was pretty much only in the last year that I've been able to make peace with it of, like the things that people spend their time worrying about is like completely perverse. And I've just gone off for about five minutes about like dunking on strokes fans and the fish fish fans and shit. So like, I'm no shiny example of like, I only care about stuff that matters, but it's, it's definitely bizarre when you read like next door, I think is, is the best example. Um, <laughs> next, where, I love next door. It is it is super entertaining. I mean, I get I get the emails from like my old neighborhood in Athens. Yeah. And anyway, like the the shit that people like people freaking out over like you don't put your garbage cans there or like why do you park in your driveway when you have a garage? That's what garages are for and you're just like does this guy know like how many people are dying in all kinds of crazy ass ways, you know, somewhat funded by his tax money. Like there there are all types of these like big questions that I can't really understand why people don't address those first. Cause I mean, they're just more interesting. They're big intangible problems that, uh, the average person doesn't encounter in any, like in, in a tangible way versus like the fact that most of our lives are 
like, you know, by modern standards, really comfortable, even if you're not doing very well. Like we just, mm -hmm. we, we, we create our own problems. Like if you, mm -hmm. it's why like, you know, the richest of the rich people are unhappy as fuck in all the, like whatever, whoever's going out and surveying those fuckers, like it's because they're just, they're just mad about different shit. Like they don't get to all their neighbors have bigger boats than them, you know? And they're like, this is my life sucks. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, to me, it's kind of this weird, like regressive version of American psychology going on where like, if you're going to flip out to the extent that you're going to like post shit on the internet and try to get your community in on like where you're, neighbor puts his trash cans like are you not aware that you can just go murder your neighbor like either <laughs> like go take care of business or like <laughs> shut the fuck up you I, know or like, just, like direct that energy that righteous anger yeah, at like something like anything that matters knock on the door tell him how you feel maybe maybe you know shake hands maybe share a little like he's like sorry man like you know it's just like my daughter's a freshman in college right now. I really miss her. I'm like preoccupied. Things aren't going great at work. Like now you're, now you got a friend, you know, or, you know, other way to go around it, I, I guess is just, well, yeah. Like blow up the trash cans or something. Yeah. Play, play a nice little, uh, little bit of vandalism. Call it a day. Yeah. Are we not cowboys anymore? Any I mean, we're definitely, <laughs> we're definitely not, but like, yeah, that's, that's one of the things that really disturbs me is, is how much, how like a la carte, like everybody's concerns are and what they put their time into. And that's, you know, that goes for me as much as it does anyone else. But I think the a big difference is like whether you give a shit, there's a difference between like giving a shit about whatever you're doing and then giving a shit about large societal or global problems. And then like giving a shit about like just what your fucking neighbors doing. Like I don't mm -hmm. I feel like I'm of the school. It's like, you know, kind of leave me alone. And like, it's whatever you're doing is none of my business unless it's like actually imp impeding my ability to live my life. Yeah. Like if, if they're like chainsawing up, like dis dismembering bodies in the bathtub and you're like, I'm trying to sleep. Yeah. I got work in the morning. Is that, and in a way, you know, not killing any of my family. Like <laughs> just don't let me see it, man. Do what you got. I'll assume that they did something wrong <laughs> to you. All right. <laughs> Um, I did, justice. I, um, I, I did, it's a good question. It's not a good segue, but I wanted to ask you, cause I know that like, especially with the new album, you guys are doing like the little micro videos on Spotify and stuff. So, oh yeah. Uh, which I'm, I'm assuming are like snipped from longer form videos that y'all have done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part. So mu making music videos, I could ask a few questions about that. Cause that seems fun as shit, but yeah, I yeah. want to say like, if, as far as ideas go, if somebody was like, here's $5 million, we don't need to make any of it back. Make whatever music video you want. That's like my dream. What, does, mean, that, what does that look like? Like, that's literally why I got my last job. Cause I was like, you know, so I, I currently don't have a job or I work for myself and I do that. I think pretty much every time I've been on like unfinished business, I've been like in some employment lull just cause I like, <laughs> I like to like quit a job and then, and then just like, get your mind right on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Come out here, air it all out, kind of find that next direction, and then I'm ready to go. It's like in the desert when people go and just like go to one of those mud huts and like do peyote and kind of figure it all out. Right. This is this is basically that for for you know, and I get to share it with the listener. But yeah, essentially, like that's one of the motivators for. And this is like a pretty short sighted 
rationale, but what are the motivators for like, why would I want to make money? Why would I want to like do well for myself instead of just kind of like cruising is, um, I really like to do music videos where I can like realistically look like I'm on fire and stuff like that. Yeah. It's, and, uh, it's, it's cool as fuck. Or like hire good actors, good, you know, people that work the camera well. Although I think you can make a fantastic music video with an iPhone and uh, a lot of people do. But yeah, I mean, are you saying right now you want me to, you want me to off well, you the, don't, off you don't have to pitch? I'm saying if you had one that was like already bubbling, it's like, yeah. Uh, but, but I guess in a here's, way, here's one I want to do. Yeah. It's, it's, um, I've been wanting to do this for a long time where there's like a dog kennel or, or something like that, like a big one. And it's kind of like being held by a like, crane. Cause it's like big enough to hold like almost a car in. No, not quite. No, it's, it'd be like, I'm in the crate and I'm like kind of cramped in it yeah. a little bit, but not, you know, I'm not being like crushed and I'm being held over a, like a baby, like a, like a above ground pool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a crane holding it and it like lifts me really, really high up, like above the clouds. And then it drops me all the way down. And, uh, then once I go into the water, like there's a whole other dimension down there. We do a lot of shit where you like are constantly going into the wrong dimension. And yeah, like, I think that's. I, oh, it's I, hate a, when, I hate when that happens. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a fun device. Uh, and yeah, I think th- that's something I've been working on. I didn't. I haven't really written the rest of it because I'll never have the budget to do that. So I don't. Well, you re- wouldn't need five million to do that. No, no. Well, I get okay. Let me go think on that okay. later on. That's fair. Might I kind of circle back I, around. I teed it up uh, without <laughs> but yeah, any dude, expectation. I, I love making music videos. I, I direct our music videos and write them all. And do you like? You know, I guess we've had a couple that other people have done. But so, like with ideas like that, that if it's not because I, I do like when I'm assuming you haven't written like there's not a direct song lyric into, like tied to being in a dog kennel and dropping into a pool from a crane, you know. Not yet, but I mean, that's well, just, could, it could be, that's just a rewrite. Yeah. <laughs> Throw that in the hook. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, it's not like to make an effective video, it needs to be, uh, like, um, what's what I'm looking for? Uh, not directly, but explicitly related to the content of the song. It can be a vibe or feeling or just a cool, like, mm-hmm. just like, this is an interesting thing to do and it's fun to do. Yeah, we. I'd say most of ours kind of have nothing to do yeah. with the lyrics, other than maybe this kind of like I'm searching for something, or like in a in a super vague sense. There's almost like a little insular story to it, but it's not. Yeah, definitely. I mean, people I don't think really know what our songs are about, and that's you know in general, and I think that's totally fine. Like, no one owes that to me because. We're I not. sing "Man of the House" when I get up every morning. It's how I start my day. That one is so funny because I've I've had a lot of people reach out to me and and say weird shit like, like, oh hell yeah, man! Like, <laughs> I'm the man of the house. My my girlfriend's so annoying. Like, I make the calls, and I'm like, okay, how do you not get that I'm making fun of? Yeah, you like, yeah. But I think most people like a lot of our stuff has been really psychedelic. And there was especially a phase, um, like we did this EP back in 2015, I think, where the songs were all about like, I'm on a train going to hell and the ground has like jaws and it like eats the train and everyone's 
like back in purgatory now and they're like where are we going and then like they don't know that they're already they've already arrived with the train still coming mm-hmm. and they're just waiting on the train forever and like that society man like not <laughs> <laughs> kind of like i was i was like selling mushrooms at the time and was not like a very good businessman and it was it was a super short-lived period of just like you go to college you need money and it was like um, uh, like, I don't know, this seems like a cool, like exciting thing. And like, I gave it up. Well, actually dude, I mean, that's a, that's a niche micro industry though. I mean, you know, that's an important role. If you got the plug, I mean, it's, you can, you can make shit happen. But the, the reason I got out of the game after like a month or two was, uh, actually the, the guy I was getting it from was, he asked me like we never had hung out before at all. Like he was just some like weird hippie dude and went over to his house one time and he was just like, yeah, man, um, I'm going up to Virginia. I'm seeing fish. Got an extra ticket, man. You're coming with me. Like get in the car. And I was like, no. (laughs) And then he never answered his phone again. And I was like, it's, it was written, man. I'm not, I'm not made for this life. I mean, turns out, I mean, do you ever think about that bridge that you burned? Uh, yeah, I guess I do from time to time when the fish, <laughs> when, you know, when I need more ammo to make fun of fish fans, I guess, I don't know. It's, um, so like at the time I was like, for, I was for the first time really like getting obsessed with like how trippy can I make these songs? And, uh, there's no way to decipher what any of that shit's supposed to be about, even though to me, like it still kind of makes sense. I mean, you mentioned like tame Impala wannabes, not saying that that's what that, <laughs> no, I'm not saying that's what that is, but I'm saying like nobody, that vibe of tame Impala is like, um, no, the people don't like tame Impala mostly because they are uh, uh, relating like, to the lyrics. A yeah. Lot, you yeah. Know? Well, how are you on lyrics in general? Because I've talked to a lot of people that are like, I don't give a shit what the lyrics are. Like, I just want to hear something catchy. It depends on what I'm there for the music. Like, what what mm-hmm. I'm there to get from the music. If I'm, again, if I, because like, it is, if I am f- like listening to something because I do like the way that it, it kind of adds volume to like what that activity that I'm doing. Uh, right. Or to a room or to a, an event or something, then it's like, it is kind of just part of the energy of the of the track, but mm-hmm. there yeah. is certain music that I listen to like almost exclusively because I love the, like how they write the lyrics. Yeah, I mean, uh, like rap kind of has a foot in both worlds. Hundred percent. There's a lot of rap that I love that I've literally never listened to a word that they say. <laughs> that they yeah, say. yeah. And then like with Lil Wayne, for example, like you're kind of looking out for some like witty punchlines every now and then like little like street jokes almost yeah yeah exactly and um sorry these chairs kind of suck no i like it actually i like that i can kind of slide around in here and i'm not like you can take one home with you if you want (laughs) no i got i got more (laughs) chairs than i can deal with right now but yeah it's like um uh, i get that and like it doesn't ruin it for me if if someone's got like bad lyrics there's plenty of music i love where i'm like these and like a lot of the lyrics i've written have been bad you know but like there's plenty of music that I enjoy. Like you can enjoy it for what it is. And like this song is terrible lyrics, but it's kind of, like, I love metalcore. I love a lot of the, like MySpace era, like scream music. And cause I kind of grew up on it. 
there are kind of three categories of those bands from that era. Like you're either singing about Christian stuff. That was a big part of the scene. You're singing about like demons and blood and like these kind of horror escapes, or you're singing, you're kind of more on the emo side and you're screaming about like a relationship. And I love those bands because they get like really intense about like, you don't like me anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like, ah, it's just like, it's extremely dramatic. And like some people can put drama and like weight to those types of lyrics. And they're talking about something spe- really specific about like, you know, on the plane ride home after I didn't propose to you, like, you know, we were just staring at each other for four hours. You can feel that moment, but there's other people where they're like, there's one song by poison the well where he's just like, I'm infatuated with you. <laughs> it's just like, it's like he's, he walked out of like a sixth grade English class and was like, yeah, this is my band. <laughs> yeah. That's a cool word. But I love that band, you know? Yeah. There's, I mean, I, 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 uh, one of my favorite bands that I've like waffled on some recently is my morning jacket. And that's mm-hmm. one of those bands too, or if somebody's like, that band fucking sucks, but all right, that's fine. I get that. <laughs> uh, but like, they've been, they've been releasing music lately. And like the lyrics are just like, like there's a song where it's kind of like basically just ov- not even like adding any metaphor to it. It's just like, people need to stop looking at their screens. Yeah. Like that nice. shit. And it's just like, man, thank you for that insight. You Owned know? Like, them. Yeah. yeah. That like, was at like both of the way we- or one of the weddings I went to, I guess it was two weeks ago. The, the preacher did go off on like a, and now everybody's surfing on the net, <laughs> you know, they're off in cyberspace. And I'm like, this couple could have met on hinge. Like we don't, we don't know. Nobody watches porn on their computer anymore. <laughs> yeah. They watch it on their phones. I'm just looking around like, man, like, are we, who's going to walk out of here and just be like, I deleted my Gmail account. That's what I needed right there. I'm free. <laughs> you know, we all wish, but anyway, uh, I know we've done, I wanted to talk about, we've done like an hour 12. I wanted to talk oh, about, um, uh, like your drawing and art as well. Selfishly, because I want, um, I've been itching for a new tattoo. I was going oh, to draw one. Um, I drew this one. Uh, I figured it'd be weird <laughs> if somebody else drew that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, so I'll like, I don't know. I'll, I'll text you about it. I want to think through some things, but, um, I did want to ask, like, obviously your art style is very, um, psychedelic in a lot of ways. It mm-hmm. co- covers a lot of ground in terms of people asking you to do tattoos. Like what's the weirdest thing somebody's asked you to try to draw uh i can't really say because the the weirdest things have been super personal and i just i don't really know how to like that's fair dance around the subject without outing someone but i really i'm really hoping for like a bad one like i'm really hoping for someone to ask me to do like a corinthians like 317 or something but chinese characters but like they spell it out like corinthians or something (laughs) and i'm like i'm doing what you said you know or like i want to do i want to do a really bad one but people pretty much always just come to me and they're like "Can, can you like draw something so yeah i've been i've enjoyed i've designed a lot of tattoos for people and i've started i've been giving people tattoos for like a couple of years now, but do you actually have a gun or do you just do the, ta- do you, yeah. Yeah. I got the gun. Uh, I've only been doing that for like two months though. And you know, there's definitely a learning curve to it. I enjoy it, but it's so, you know, like the stick and poke tattoos are that, like that's when, supposed to hurt like shit. Yeah. It sucks because it's, it's like, 
it's it takes so long it's really tedious and i i hated that process because like a i mean it takes a long time but b if if it's someone you don't know it's just someone that like follows you on instagram and wanted you to come through like now i gotta like focus on doing like a little like dot 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 and make conversation with yeah. someone for like two hours and some of these people uh some of the, some people have been sick and like you know they put on some song and i'm like whoa i love this band like i didn't know you were in you know sometimes there's plenty to go off but uh a lot of times there isn't and you're just like oh my god this is so this is just like an awkward situation yeah. with, with the gun you can just kind of zap it and you're like get out of here yeah exactly <laughs> uh the the chick that i usually go to um i don't know she's like mostly the, she most of hers are from the same chick and she's like mostly business like she'll talk to you at the front and then after that she just does her thing and like mm -hmm. that's same thing with haircuts man just like i don't need you to ask me we don't need to talk about the weather what i'm doing this weekend like oh yeah i i barely get haircuts but when i or you know like i cut them myself a lot for the past well really for a long time but it, in athens i used to go to this place called mr haircut <laughs> and uh we're just that's, sitting there that's an awesome name for a business definitely and that's that's <laughs> where like all the good old boys go yeah and i love just being totally silent in there and kind of listening to what everybody's like you know like the dad is just sitting there getting his he's like bald but he's still getting a haircut for some reason he's like yeah you know uh you know travis he uh you know how kids are putting those big big loud ass speakers in their trucks you know and like you know the barber lady's laughing she's like oh you know boys do shit you know it's like i'm having it's like the conversations don't need to be had but it's still it's like very pleasant and relaxing to hear people just be nice to each just other just kind of prattle on you know yeah yeah and there's it was very folksy and had kind of a i don't know it, that was a nice little room to be in but yeah i don't know i hate haircuts like no disrespect to all the all the artists out there that you know, are really good at it or put a lot of heart and soul into it. But I just like to cut my own hair. Respect. I mean, it's an honest, it's an honest living. It is certainly, it's a more honest living than playing indie rock. That's for sure. Arguable. <laughs> um, I'll do it. Uh, I'll, I'll drop it at the front in whatever intro I put together for this. But as far as like plugs, I mean, obviously new album, yeah, just new album. Um, and then my, my Instagram at Land of the Freak. That's where I post my tattoo artwork and drawings and all that stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of like fashion stuff too. I make shoes and jackets and shit like that. Y'all are playing in Atlanta again soon, right? Yeah, we're doing a we're doing a Halloween party at five two nine on Saturday the thirtieth. And we're gonna be in Athens the night before doing another Halloween party. Then we're gonna go play in like Savannah, Jacksonville. Fernandina, I think we got we got a bunch of dates coming up, but yeah, just Wayuka LLC on Instagram. Wayuka W I E U C A. Yeah, wow, no one gets that right. So. I've had to type it in a bunch of times. I'm <laughs> <laughs> nice. experienced. Um, all right, cool. Well, I'll uh, you know, I, it's been fun. I appreciate you coming out and doing this, and uh, you know it. I think everybody understands you completely as an individual now, you know? Yeah, a lot of weight off my chest. Uh, thanks for having me, Matt, and I'll see you fuckers in the pit. <laughs>